Good Wednesday morning, a major change in the 2024 presidential race. Ron DeSantis finally throwing his hat in the ring. It's May 24th. This is today. Off and running. America has been worth it every single time. After months of speculation, Florida's Republican governor set to officially announce his White House bid today, surprising the political world by doing it on Twitter alongside Elon Musk. This morning, the impact on the race and the reaction from his chief rival, Donald Trump. Breaking overnight, stalemate. With just days to go, debt limit talks hit a snag. Democrats calling it a speed bump. House Speaker McCarthy saying they're nowhere near a deal. I I don't understand why they thought this day would never come. With the clock ticking to avoid an economic crisis, can an agreement be reached in time? We're live with the very latest. Heading out, the Memorial Day travel rush getting underway. Just ahead, a first-hand look at what you'll face at the nation's airports and on the roads and what's being done to make your trip smoother all summer long. Breakthrough? Drugs like Ozempic, popular for weight loss, now showing promise for treating addiction. Everything from alcohol to compulsive shopping, what new research is revealing, and the users who say it has changed their lives. All that plus back in action inside Damar Hamlin's remarkable return to practice just five months after his near-death experience on the field. And fond farewell, The Voice honors Blake Shelton during his very last spin in those iconic red chairs. Night of fun and surprises for Team Blake after 23 seasons. Today, Wednesday, May 24th, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to today. Nice to have you along with us on a Wednesday morning. What a night for Blake Shelton. It's hard to imagine the voice without him. I was just saying it's like the end of an era. Uh, we don't remember the voice without him because it's never been without him. <laughs> but wow, it's going to be a, a new year. I can't wait to see uh, what happens there on that last they day. They sent him off in style yeah, for sure. We'll have more on that in a bit. But let's start with the 2024 presidential race for those keeping count. The election is 75 weeks away. Later today, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is set to enter the race. Yeah, his wife tweeted tweeting out uh, this political ad overnight ahead of the official announcement. That will happen during a conversation on Twitter with Elon Musk. It's already been a busy week for the Republican field. Senator Tim Scott making his announcement Monday, joining former President Trump, who announced his bid for the White House back in November. That's the Republican race. We've got it covered, starting with NBC's Dasha Burns. Dasha, good morning. Hey, Savannah, good morning. Well, even before jumping into this race officially, Governor Ron DeSantis was the only Republican even registering in the polls compared to former President Trump. And he's been hinting at a presidential run for months now. He's been traveling the country, touting what he calls his Florida blueprint. And now tonight, he's set to make it official with an unconventional approach and ally announcing on social media with one of the world's wealthiest men. They call it faith because in the face of darkness, you can see that brighter future. Overnight, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' wife, Casey, all but launching his presidential campaign, tweeting out this 30-second political ad, writing, America is worth the fight every single time. And this morning, the Florida governor, once endorsed by Donald Trump, now set to directly challenge the former president. Three sources familiar with the planning tell NBC News DeSantis will make his long-suspected presidential ambitions public in a conversation with billionaire Elon Musk on Twitter spaces. 
he has uh, quite an announcement to make. Um, and will be, be the first time that something like this is happening on social media. Musk, who's faced intense scrutiny since purchasing Twitter over his leadership style and controversial posts to his 140 million followers, recently weighing in on the race with CNBC. I wish we could have just a normal human being as president. That's what I want. After launching his campaign, DeSantis plans to visit early voting states after Memorial Day, though he's already been making the rounds, touting what he calls a Florida blueprint. DeSantis has faced some blowback over his governing style, including his ongoing feud with one of Florida's largest employers and revenue generators, Disney, which just scrapped a billion-dollar plan to relocate 2,000 workers to the state. And even before getting in the race, DeSantis has been a favorite Trump target. Ron DeSantis. Did anyone ever hear of DeSantis? DeSantis. And the former president now blasting his launch plan, a Trump advisor telling NBC News, quote, announcing on Twitter is perfect for Ron DeSantis. This way, he doesn't have to interact with people. DeSantis, who once embraced Trump, has begun to fire back, but without naming him, appearing to blame him for recent election losses. We must reject the culture of losing that has infected our party in recent years. And after that announcement, we do expect a more traditional campaign rollout with a launch video and visits planned to early states next week. But meanwhile, already another twist in the GOP race. A Manhattan judge announced a date for former President Trump's trial in the Stormy Daniels hush money case, March 2024. That, of course, is in the heat of presidential primary season. Mr. Trump pleaded not guilty to 34 felony charges last month. All right, Dasha, thank you so much. Let's turn now to NBC's senior Washington correspondent, Hallie Jackson. Hallie, good morning. This is unorthodox. We have not seen this before. An announcement on Twitter. It's, it's not video. It's audio, correct? Yeah, there's not going to be that visual when he first sort of makes that announcement that he's running for president. It is definitely different, Savannah, but that is a feature and not a bug in the eyes of the people around DeSantis in his camp. As one person close to him tells me, listen, in this media environment where it's about grabbing headlines, trying to dominate attention, they think that Governor DeSantis will do that here with Elon Musk. There's also the alignment of DeSantis with Musk, who has, as the world's, you know, one of the world's richest men, positioned himself as this conservative champion of free speech, of these so-called culture war issues. They think that is going to resonate here. This is not without risk, Savannah. I mean, this is unpredictable. It is an unpredictable setting. There's the possibility that DeSantis may end up upstaged by Elon Musk. That's out there. And it is a platform, right, that Donald Trump used to launch himself to the presidency. Now here you have DeSantis looking to co-opt it for his own purposes. Let's talk about let's talk, Hallie, about where the race is, because right after those disappointing midterms for Republicans that some in the kind of political classes were blaming on Donald Trump, DeSantis was looking pretty good in the polls. But since that yeah. time, he's actually been in a, a downward trajectory and Trump has been on the rise. Yeah, as they sort of say in the in the world of politics, Savannah, his altitude has descended and you see it here, right, where he was in April compared to where he was back in February. Donald Over the spring, Donald Trump has gone up in polling. Ron DeSantis has gone down in polling. You see that in some of the most recent numbers, 49% for Donald Trump, 21% for Ron DeSantis. Now, he is the, the only other Republican at the moment who is registering at at least that level. And folks that I talk to close to him brush this off, pointing out it is a long campaign. 
This is not unexpected necessarily. Obviously, I'm sure they'd want the numbers to be better than where they are. But keep in mind, we don't even have the full Republican field yet, Savannah. We expect at least one more person to come out, Mike Pence, and announce his run for the presidency. We haven't even hit the first debate. As you said, 75 weeks till Election Day. we got a ways to go. 75 weeks, but who's counting, Hallie? Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right, let's move now to the showdown over the debt ceiling and the troubling updates on the race to avoid a potentially catastrophic default that's on June the 1st. This morning, a Democratic official familiar with the talks is telling NBC News those negotiations have hit a speed bump and accusing House Speaker Kevin McCarthy of refusing to cooperate. That's a quote. During a closed-door meeting with fellow Republican Speaker McCarthy, acknowledged he and the president are nowhere near a deal. Yeah, the overall tone, a major shift after talks that had been described as productive to start off the week. It's not what most Americans want to hear with just seven days to go to negotiate. NBC's business reporter Brian Chung joins us now. Brian, let's set the politics aside mm-hmm. for the moment. I mean, if this happens and we're, you know, it's looming closer every day, mm-hmm. what would be the immediate impact on most ordinary Americans. Yeah, we're only a week out, but the immediate implications would concern a lot of these programs that a lot of Americans rely on. So when you talk about Social Security, you talk about Medicare and Medicaid, you think about the food stamps program. These could all be programs that potentially could see cuts if the government is not able to keep the lights on past June 1st. But I want to emphasize that's not necessarily the case that on June 2nd, if we go over that uh, cliff, essentially, that all those programs would essentially have no more money in the tank anymore. And there are two reasons for that. First of all, June 1st is just an estimate for when the government might not be able to pay the bills anymore. It's possible that they could extend past that, but they've been saying that June 1st deadline is kind of just a way to get around the prudence there to say, let's try to get this done as soon as possible. But the second reason is also because of the fact that, look, when we talk about uh, these types of programs, it's never happened before. The United States has never defaulted before. The government could make cuts in other programs to keep Medicaid and Medicare alive. It's going to be a very uncertain situation as we get seven days closer. If you're trying to be proactive as a regular person and you have a 401k or let's say you invest in bonds, is there anything that you should be doing that you could do on your own to help out, help yourself out? Well, it's certainly been a pretty rocky road for markets so far. We saw it even just yesterday with markets uh, going down lower. But broadly speaking, like any other 401k situation, you're seeing little bit of scary headlines. Don't change your allocation strategy too aggressively. You're always going to want to have a rainy day fund for situations like this. And a good guideline would be a 50, 30, 20 strategy. You take about 20% of your income, put it into a savings account. The other 70% you can use for things that you want or need, but 20% to save is generally a good guideline to get through situations like this. All right. Brian Chung for us. Brian, thanks. Let's hope it doesn't come to that. Mm -hmm. Also this morning, we're learning more about the suspect in that security scare near the White House, a 19-year-old from Missouri, accused of delivering deliberately crashing a rented truck into a barrier and making threats against the president. NBC's Ryan Nobles on the story again for us with the latest on the investigation. Ryan, good morning. Savannah, good morning. And according to the criminal complaint, the suspect in this case told Secret Service agents that he admired the Nazi party, speaking highly of their authoritarian order, eugenics and one world order. Now, this is still an ongoing investigation, but a law enforcement source telling NBC News that they do believe that mental health is a factor in this case. This morning, new details surrounding the 19-year-old suspect, who police say intentionally crashed a U-Haul truck into barriers just a few hundred feet from the White House Monday night. Sai Varshith Kandula of Chesterfield, Missouri, has been federally charged with depredation of U.S. property. Secret Service and Park Police listing additional charges related to his arrest, including 
threatening to kill, kidnap, or inflict harm on a president, vice president, or a family member, as well as assault with a dangerous weapon, reckless driving, destruction of federal property, and trespassing. The charging documents saying the driver embraced Nazi ideology, detailing that Kandula had removed a Nazi flag from the truck after the crash, telling agents he bought the flag online, and saying, quote, Nazis have a great history, and describing Hitler as a, quote, strong leader. I heard this loud bang, and it was, I looked behind, and there was this huge U-Haul truck just out of nowhere. According to the criminal complaint, Kandula told Secret Service agents his intent was to, quote, kill the president and hurt anyone that would stand in his way. Describing his goal was to, quote, get to the White House, seize power, and be put in charge of the nation. President Biden was in the White House at the time of the incident. He's relieved that no one was injured last night and grateful to the agents and the law enforcement officer who responded so quickly. NBC News has learned that Kandula traveled from St. Louis, Missouri to Dulles International Airport. Then, according to a U-Haul spokesperson, rented the 26-foot truck on Monday in Herndon, Virginia, just an hour drive from Washington, D.C. And authorities say there were no explosives or any kind of weapon inside that U-Haul truck. The suspect is expected in federal court today. He has yet to enter a plea. Savannah? Ryan Nobles outside the White House. Thank you. 713, a lot more to get to. We welcome Craig in. Morning, Craig. Hey, Hoda, Savannah. Good morning. Good morning to you as well. Hard to believe, but today marks one year since that mass shooting at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. 19 children and two teachers killed by an 18-year-old gunman. And amid the many tributes that are planned today's questions still linger about the response by police that day. NBC's Guad Venegas is in Uvalde for us this morning. Guad, good morning to you. Craig, good morning. Well, many here are frustrated because of the lack of answers and accountability of police that we know waited in the hallways for over an hour before confronting the shooter. They want answers, but of course, the investigation is still ongoing. And of course, today on the anniversary, much of the attention is expected to focus on the killing. For the parents who lost children on that terrible day one year ago, sometimes it feels like yesterday other times like an eternity. We don't ever want them to forget our kids. They had the world in front of them, so much potential. Tom Yamas recently sat down with three grieving mothers whose children were among the 19 students killed. Veronica Mata lost her 10-year-old Tess. Kimberly Rubio's daughter Lexi was also just 10. Gloria Casar has lost her daughter Jackie and niece Annabelle. They and other Uvalde families have been calling for stricter gun laws and are angry that no measures have been taken to prevent 18-year-olds from buying assault weapons in the state of Texas. I think guns are idolized. You know, that's more important than children, our children. You think guns are more important than children That's in this that's, country? That's, yes. When did you come to that realization? The day my daughter died. And the community still searching for answers about that day when it took police 77 minutes to enter the school and stop the shooter. The ripple effect has continued. School District Police Chief Pita Redondo was voted out unanimously last summer, though his lawyers have said he is not at fault. There are local and national investigations into the delayed response, and a state report last year found that the shooter left a number of red flags online, but was still able to purchase $5,000 of guns and ammunition. you got to look internally. You've got to hold up the mirror, 
now. Parents demanding the school district take threats seriously in the future. We're still stuck on May 24th. I think it's time that we start doing something better. Today, educators say they have no choice but to move forward. We've done a whole lot in a short amount of time, but there's still a lot of, of parents who don't feel safe. A community looking for a fresh start with a new campus set to replace Rob Elementary. Construction scheduled to begin this summer, including a massive tree memorial for the victims, being remembered today on a grim American anniversary. And you can see behind me the memorial here in the town square still standing. It has been a year uh, with family members, friends, and of course members of the community visiting this memorial with photos and articles to remember those that died. Now today, Uvalde has scheduled a candlelight vigil that has been organized by the families and is open to the public with some restrictions. Uh, of course, uh, they are asking uh, for the media to keep a distance as we are here uh, to see how this anniversary uh, takes place. School also will not be in session. Practically all of Uvalde has shut down to give family members and, of course, friends and members of the community a time to heal uh, as we commemorate this anniversary, Craig. Yeah, still so sad for so many. Um, glad Venegas there for us. Go ahead, thank you. All right, let's take a look at what's going on across the country for the upcoming holiday weekend. Basically, for the most part, what you see on Friday, you'll see on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday basically wherever you are. So high pressure is locked in place across the Great Lakes. That's going to keep this storm system down through the southeast and then eventually moving up into North Carolina and Virginia, too. But in the northeast, we're going to continue with the sunshine. Great Lakes will continue with the sunshine. We'll see spotty storms back through the northern Rockies going into Saturday. Then here we go on Sunday, more of the same spotty storms across the northern Rockies. Sunny through the Midwest, Great Lakes and northeast, still damped down through the Carolinas into Virginia. Then on Monday, we'll repeat it again. Still unsettled down through Virginia and North Carolina. Still some spotty showers in the Rockies. And it looks beautiful in the northeast, Great Lakes, through the Midwest and also on the West Coast, too. And that's your latest forecast. Oh, a fair, a fair point's been made. I, I have been wrong with my sports predictions before. On what? Yeah, what which one? Ga- Gamecocks not losing to Iowa. Yeah. Okay. Gronk not coming back. Okay. So I, I apologize in advance to all Miami Heat fans. Well, I was going to say, so Boston, you're the best There's thing that ever chance. happened to you. As, as he wears Boston green. There you go. Uh, all right, coming up, we'll have an inside I just got interested in it. Uh, you did. <laughs> the holiday travel rush is kicking into high gear. Airports coast to coast. Tom Costell's watching it all from one very busy Atlanta right there on the tarmac. Hey, how you doing, Tom? We are on the ramp. Delta Airlines, I got one plane going to the Bahamas, one to Seattle, one to Minneapolis. Take your pick. But when things go bad, it's the Redcoats that step in and help you out. We spend a day behind the scenes with the Redcoats. We'll take you with them when we come back on the on the Today Show. All right, Tom, we'll be back with you in a moment. Plus, could drugs like Ozempic and Wagovi now being used for weight loss by many also help kick addictions? Things like drinking, smoking, even binge shopping. We're going to hear from people who say it is working for them, tell you where the research stands. But first, this is Today on NBC. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash today just go to indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash today conditions apply need to hire you need indeed oh it's beautiful we're back 7 30 that you're looking at the return of fleet week right here in new york it's a yearly tradition celebrates the military sea services, thousands of service members taking part. And another tradition we love, many of those heroes pay a visit to our plaza, so we get to see them. Yeah. I always think of Sex in the City. Do you ever think about that? Oh, yeah. Week? That was always big All on that ladies. show. You don't remember this? I've never actually associated the two. Well, have oh. you ever seen Sex in the City? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, the ladies so, liked it when Fleet Week was in yeah, town because there big. were all these handsome young oh, sailors. Got it. Very that big. makes sense. Yes. Mm-hmm. Our ship is coming in. Mm-hmm. Guys, the getaway for <laughs> Memorial Day weekend is getting underway, and pressure is on this morning on the nation's airlines, airports, and air traffic controllers. After last year's holiday kicked off a debacle mm-hmm. of a summer travel season. NBC's Tom Costello has made his way to America's busiest airport. He's in Atlanta, Hartsville, Jackson International. Tom, clock's ticking. Yeah, the clock is ticking, and every airline says that not only have they upped their staffing, they've upped their game. They're ready, they say. Uh, this plane behind me, it came in from Fort Lauderdale. It's headed to Minneapolis, then Seattle, and then beyond. I'm surrounded by planes that are taking off this morning. The weather is good here in Atlanta, good flying weather. But when the weather goes bad or when things start to go bad, it's the Delta Redcoats who rush to the rescue. It's the morning push in Atlanta. We're going to try to get you on that next one, okay? And Regina Peoples and Pedro Ramos. We're going to try to get better seat, okay? Just give me one second. Yes, sir. The Delta Redcoats are on the concourse. All right, Ms. Mary, this is two boarding passes. So you got 14D and 14E. Weather delays, missed connections, lost baggage, gate changes, whatever the issue, the Redcoats are the problem solvers. What's the most common customer issue you've got to deal with? The most common would be if they miss their flight due to the weather. Sharice Evans is in charge of every red coat nationwide. What are they empowered to do that a typical agent may not be able to deal with because they're overwhelmed? They can make exceptions above and beyond what the typical gate agent or ticket agent can do. You just opened the door to a lot of exceptions, though. Not necessarily. Now, there are exceptions within reason. Hello. And right now, the pressure is really on. The TSA expects 10 million travelers this extended weekend. Atlanta remains the world's busiest airport. This week, Delta says Thursday, Friday, and next Tuesday will be the busiest. While all airlines have staffed up to avoid a repeat of last year's pilot shortage, now it's the FAA that doesn't have enough air traffic controllers. But so far this year, cancellations are running below 2%. So far this May, uh, we're seeing those numbers hold. But this weekend will be a test of the system. 
United CEO Scott Kirby with Savannah on Tuesday. We, so far this year, are running the most reliable operation that we have in history. But most Americans are driving, not flying this weekend. 37 million of us hitting the road. Gas prices averaging $3.56 a gallon, a lot cheaper than $4.60 last year. But with Americans eager for a summer vacation, it is the airlines that are in the spotlight. Thank you, dear. You're welcome. You have a good day, Mr. Slaughter. I just watched you interact with a customer, and you had the biggest, broadest smile the whole time. Is that the secret sauce? That is the secret sauce, but don't tell everybody. You just keep smiling. When they're rude, smile away. Smile away. You kill them with kindness. That's Uh all that we can do. Amen. Favorite gate agent ever, by the way there, Tom. Did did she have any other advice for how to deal with the travel rush at airports that we're going to be seeing this summer? So Regina has been a red coat for 12 years with Delta for like 27. She said, first of all, right now, get to the airport this summer, two hours before domestic flight, three hours before international. Don't sit at the bar until the last minute. They will close the door to the airplane 10 minutes before departure. If you're not on, they're not waiting. you got to be on that plane. And she says, too many people think they can wait till the last minute at the bar and then run on, uh, 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 you'll miss you'll miss the flight. Un- unless you find the bar that's right next to your gate. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Uh, thank you, Tom. <laughs> thank you, Regina. Yeah. All right, All right guys. Uh, the day has finally come. So Netflix is doing it. They've officially launched its password sharing crackdown. Are you going to Netflix jail? Or <laughs> <laughs> my friends are. Somebody's going. We're going to take a close look at the new rules and what they mean for your streaming habits. Okay, it's odd. But first, you know, you, people using drugs like Ozempic for weight loss, we've been hearing about that, but they also could be potentially an answer for addiction. Stephanie Gosk is looking into that story for us. Yeah, Savannah, you know, Ozempic and Wagovi have been life changers for people, really helping them curb their hunger. But now there are these testimonials from people that it's curbing other addictive and potentially destructive behavior. Think alcoholism, gambling, even nail biting. We'll have more coming up. Hey guys, Willie Geist here, reminding you to check out the Sunday Sit Down Podcast. On this week's episode, I get together with my NBC neighbor, Jimmy Fallon, to talk about his 10 years as host of The Tonight Show, reflecting on his long career in comedy, his years at SNL, and yes, landing the biggest job in late night. A little time backstage with Jimmy Fallon. You can get our conversation now for free, wherever you download your podcasts. If you ever needed to be persuaded that bad things can happen anywhere, then take a journey with us. From compelling mysteries to in-depth investigations, our Dateline episodes are available as podcasts. Follow Dateline NBC now to get new episodes every Tuesday. To listen ad-free, subscribe to Dateline Premium on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or DatelinePremium.com. Great storytelling with a twist from the true crime original. We are back 739 this morning on In-Depth Today. Some eye-opening new research on popular prescription drugs like Ozempic and Wagovi. Yeah, they've been in the headlines for weight loss. But now some users are saying the medications are actually helping them combat 
non-related food addictions. Okay, Stephanie Gosk is here with the details on that. Hi, Steph, good morning. Hey, guys, good morning. We have been talking a lot about these diabetes and weight loss medications. The headline is, they work. And for some people, it's been completely life-changing. Now, researchers are looking into the possible benefits they may have on addictive behavior beyond food cravings, including alcohol abuse, gambling, even compulsive shopping. The research, research isn't there yet, but scientists are sounding hopeful. There's been an explosive amount of buzz around the drugs Ozempic and Wagovi. I'm super excited with the 50 pounds that I've lost. Stories of dramatic weight loss plastered all over social media. Baby, the hype is real. The medications, both containing the compound semaglutide, make people feel fuller faster. But something else interesting seems to be happening. Countless testimonials online describing side effects, positive ones that aren't related to food at all. No longer have any desire to drink alcohol, someone writes. Another says, I used to vape like a demon, quit cold turkey. This person comments, I used to buy scratch-off and lotto tickets. I don't even think about it anymore. So technically, like my official diagnosis was morbidly obese. Jamel Corona started taking Wagovi over a year ago, losing 60 pounds since then. But that wasn't it. I would say one drink for me is equivalent to about four or five drinks. And how do you feel after having that one drink? Uh, the I feel miserable. <laughs> Corona once considered herself a social drinker. Not anymore. Something in your in your mind is saying, hmm, I'm just going to bypass. I, 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 you have no interest in alcohol. The Atlantic now asking the question, did scientists accidentally invent an anti-addiction drug? In a statement provided to NBC News, Novo Nordisk, the manufacturer of Ozempic and Wagovi, said in part, Novo Nordisk does not promote, suggest, or encourage off-label use of our medicines. Evidence is mostly anecdotal, but there have been animal studies on the overall class of drugs. It appears to have broad um, benefit across a variety of uh, behavioral addictions as well as drug-based addictions. Neuroscientist Dr. Greg Stanwood says although the research is in its early stages, there is a growing sense drugs like Ozempic are affecting dopamine, the feel-good chemical released by the brain. The maglutide appear to blunt the effects of dopamine in the brain um, and in that way can provide relief from, from cravings. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford manages over a thousand patients with obesity and diabetes with this class of drugs. She says roughly 5% have described other behavioral changes. What I've mostly heard from my patients are, you know, those that have had a significant reduction in alcohol use disorder, um, impulsive buying. How big a deal would it be to have a drug that has that kind of effect on people who struggle with alcohol? Oh, I think it would be huge. Many of my patients that have obesity also have a history of alcohol use disorder. Two drugs already successfully treating obesity and diabetes now showing they can potentially do a whole lot more. Just last week, researchers at the National Institutes of Health released a study showing the active compound in Ozempic reduced alcohol consumption in rodents. But experts caution, we still don't know enough about the long-term impacts of these medications, and more evidence is needed through clinical trials to make any conclusions about their effectiveness as an addiction treatment. Very interesting, though. Mm -hmm. Stephanie, thank you so much. Let's turn to Dr. Roshni Raj, a gastroenterologist and associate professor of medicine at NYU mm -hmm. Langone. Dr. Raj, good morning. Good what morning. do you make of this? Mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting, isn't it? It is interesting. I mean, as we know, you know, 
this sort of drug has become all the rage. A lot of people are taking it, some off-label, some getting it online. And now what we're finding is with this multitude of patients taking these injections for either diabetes or weight loss, some percentage, and it's not a huge percentage, let's be clear, um, but some percentage are noticing changes in other behaviors and, and specifically addictive things like addiction to alcohol, to nail biting, to smoking, even shopping in some cases. So it's an interesting area of exploration and it begs the question, how is this working and what's going on in the brain when you're taking an, an injection medication like this? Let's talk about the brain because it, they say it blunts the production of dopamine and dopamine is the thing that makes you feel good, excited, and makes you want to repeat the behavior. Behavior. Exactly. But if it blunts it there, it yeah. does it doesn't just specifically blunt it for alcohol, does it blunt it for all those feel-good things that you would have? Well, well, that is the theory, and that's partly why it works for weight loss, right? Because if you're not getting as much pleasure from food, you're not going to be as, you know, motivated to eat as much. And that's one of the reasons why we think semaglutide works for weight loss. It also, you know, gives you a feeling of fullness as opposed to hunger. It slows mm -hmm. down the passage of food in your stomach. But in terms of that blunting of dopamine, yes, and that is one of the common pathways for many types of addiction that you really want more and more of that dopamine feeling. Mm -hmm. And if you're blocking it, you're not getting that same high from the drug. It'll be easier to stop the addiction. Doc, Dr. Raj, I mean, we're talking about these two drugs. There's another drug called Manjaro yeah. as well. It's sort of in the same class. Yes. Originally, pre-diabetics were prescribed this drug. Then we discovered, okay, they can be used for weight loss. Yeah. Now we're discovering perhaps they could be used uh, to treat addiction as well. How did we make this leap? Well, it's one of those things, and this happens a lot in medicine, where people are taking one drug for a specific, you know, uh, condition that it is approved for, and then we notice, lo and behold, they're having these other interesting effects that are beneficial, and then you start to do research there. But that's where we are. We're in the research stage. We've noticed this interesting phenomenon. We have some animal studies, but it's time to do the human studies, which are ongoing. There are already some studies on alcohol and cocaine mm -hmm. addiction with these uh, semaglutide-type medications, and we're going to have need to see the clinical results there. You know, it's, it's something that's really interesting interesting and one day may offer some hope mm -hmm. for many different types of sure. addiction. Uh, but right now it's still early days. Okay. All right. Thank you, Dr. Dr. Raj, thank you thank so you. much. We appreciate thank it. You. All right, let's turn it over to Ms. Dryer and get a check of the weather. Hey, Dylan. Good morning again, guys. We have an interesting situation out near Guam. We have this giant typhoon that has winds up to 140 miles per hour. That's the equivalent of, say, a Category 4 hurricane. Uh, the radar is down at Anderson Air Force Base out in Guam, and it's continuing to impact that area with some evacuations along the coastline. The storm itself will continue to move to the northwest, kind of maintaining its strength and staying pretty strong as it continues in that direction. But just want to point out that huge huge, huge storm that's affecting uh, that area right now. Elsewhere across our country, we do have a cold front that's going to bring a couple of spotty showers across the uh, northern parts of New England. Also some thunderstorms today down through the southern plains. And that's your latest forecast. All right, Dylan. Uh, thank you. All right. Still second. ahead this morning, we're going to take you inside Blake Shelton's final night in those iconic red chairs on The Voice. And then Jenna's got an exclusive conversation with Mary Tyler Moore's husband, sharing their sweet love story and treasures from Mary Tyler Moore's trailblazing career.